three of a five-part series called Paint This Place. And while we are, yes, in the process of doing some painting over there, and we'll be doing a lot more later, that's really not what this is about. This is about so much more than that. It's really not even about that. You see, your pastors over the years, um, from our experience, what we have noticed, what we have felt, we've seen some things. We've seen a growing uh, disconnect of people from church. And we're not specifically in this moment talking about Stuttgart Harvest Church, although it could probably be included, but just in general, in the United States, a, a disconnect of people regarding church. It seems like there's fewer and fewer and fewer people involved in church. And now they may say, yeah, that's my church over there, or this is my church over here. Um, But the reality is for most of them, they are rarely actually gathering with that church. That's the reality. Maybe three, four times a year. Now think with me for a moment. If your teenager that you're raising showed up at your home just three or four times a year, you would say, I don't know, I'm no psychologist here, but there's a problem. (laughs) Something's not right. Something's not right in this relationship. And I believe that's our feeling. As we look at the church and we see that happening, we would say something is not right because they may use the words and say, that is my church. But then the reality is something's not right. So it seems to us that people on the outside of the church maybe are disconnected. And sometimes we get the feeling even on the inside of church throughout the United States that the people on the inside maybe are discontent. Right, And I think part of the reason why this is is the way that we view church. And what I mean about that is when we think about church in our culture, most of the time we think about a building. Um, we think about a building, and, and we are wired for relationships. Even the most introverted person still desires to have some type of relationship. But when we think about church as a building, that completely removes the relationship out of the equation. Because most often when we think about church, we do. We think about either a a place that we go to, an event, or a building. And it's easier maybe for us to not think about church as a building because right now we're meeting in a facility that's not a church building. It's a theater for the rest of the week. And even on Sunday after we get out of here, it's a theater. um, So it's maybe a little easier for us to not think about church as a building. Um, the church as a building, though, is, is pretty cold, it, it's impersonable, it's, it's distant. So if church is a building, also it's very limited on how it reaches people and connects them to Jesus. Um, so no wonder people are maybe disconnected from him or even discontent with inside church, if church is in fact a building. But thankfully, church is not not a building, Harley. Yes, thankfully. It's not a building, but it's, it can also be viewed, church, as a business. Um, we've seen churches as business, and it seems that there's layer after layer of, of managers, and then there's some higher managers in the church. And then if you look way, 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 way high up the, the 
ladder of church business. Then there's this one guy on top, kind of the big guy who's, who's in charge of everything. But when you look at church as a business, then those who are participating in the church, um, they look at the church and they see it as being made up of the church office staff or the church pastors and staff. Let me give you an example. When, when you walk into a business in Stuttgart, if you like the way they do business or you like the product that they have or how they treat you, then there's a good chance that you're going to hang around as a customer for that business. You're going to stay their customer, and you may be their customer for, for a long time, 10, 20, 30 years maybe. And every time you go into that business, you look at it, you say, I like, your, I like your business. And when you think about it, you say, that is their business. I like their business. And the reality is in that is the business does not belong to you. The reality is it is their business. It doesn't belong to you. And you can go and, and be a customer of that business for year after year after year, and it will never be your business it will always be their business and when you talk about it you may tell all your friends about it but when you do it is you're still saying it's their business and you like their business and some people see church as a business someone might come into church for years and years and years and years but if they see it as a business when they talk to a pastor if they're in, in a church somewhere and they talk to the pastor if they like that church they may hang around for years and years but when they talk to the pastor you know what they say i like i like your church i like your church and when you talk to your friend about it, they they say things like their church because they see the church as a business. And no matter how long they go or how long they attend, it will never be their church for themselves. It's always to the pastor, I like your church. Now, that's if you view the church as a business. But I am so thankful the church is not a business. Right. We've also seen uh, the church as a self-help uh, success journey. Um, and this approach basically says, follow these steps, follow these three or four steps or whatever, and you will have a better life. You will get a promotion, you'll get a better car, you'll buy a bigger house, you'll get out of debt, it'll get easier, life will just in general get better. And this is not to say that there is not um, some benefit of applying biblical principles to your life, but church is not a self-help journey. Because the problem with this is, you know this from your experience, life can get hard. It can get tough. And then what happens is often it'll get harder. It'll get mm -hmm. tougher. People get sick. People pass away. Um, you lose your job. You, things happen and life just simply gets tough at times. And the, the self-help success church simply says, you know, try these steps. Just try more of these steps. So this type of, of church doesn't line up with your experience and it doesn't line up 
with what God tells us in Scripture because when we read the New Testament, uh, the New Testament follows of Jesus, Jesus that we have, and we read about their lives. Their lives were not easy. They were not on this success journey for themselves, and all of them at one died following Jesus, and the one that lived was tortured, um, but he did live. So when, when someone finally peeks behind the curtain of the, uh, the self-help type church, they're going to see a lot of, just a lot of words, maybe even some spiritual sayings, but no real depth and no solid truth. Um, mostly just some nice, energetic, um, encouraging sayings. So no wonder people distance themselves. When they figure that out, they distance themselves from a church like that because the church is not a self-help success journey. Yeah, and we've also seen um, churches that kind of are viewed as a community organization. Here's what I mean by that. So uh, maybe someone has trouble paying a bill and they have a friend that says, you know what, you need to call this church over here because sometimes they help pay your bills. Sometimes they'll help you pay your bills. And so the church is seen as an organization that is really just a community help organization. And we're not saying that churches shouldn't be helpful, but we're saying some people view the church as a community organization. Um, Here's an example. Uh, Someone who views their own church as a community organization, they have a tendency to look at the staff or the pastors in the church, and they have a tendency to think those are the people who solve the problems in the community. And so, in other words, that's why someone would say, hey, call the church. If you have a problem, call them. They might be able to pay that bill. Or if you, they might view the church that way and say, um, you know, that's, if there's a problem, the staff can figure out a solution to solve that problem in the community. They see the staff as the ones who give all the care in the community. In other words, if, if someone in that church is in the hospital, uh, they're, they may have friends in the church or, or people that go and see them in the hospital, but their thought might be if the pastor or one of the pastors of the church did not come into my hospital room, then the church did not do anything for me. And that's someone that sees the church as a community organization, and it all is really directed towards the staff. Here's another way that this is played out. Let's say, um, let's say, um, I hope I'm not jumping ahead of myself here. I might be. If I am, then I'll skip it in the next section. Let's say that you um, have, you're at work, and you run across someone who has some kind of need, maybe a very legitimate need in their life. But when you run across that need, the first thing someone in a community organization church does is they call the staff or the church office. They call the church office and they say, hey, this person has this need. Can you do something about it? And so they had an interaction and they say, to fix this, 
we need to call the church office and let the church office fix this situation or this scenario. And no wonder people distance themselves from the community organization church. And here's a big reason why. Because let's look at, think about one of the biggest organizations in our nation, that's the government. The government actually employs almost 17% of the entire working population in the United States. That is more employees than any organization. Huge, huge, huge organization. And the government can't solve all of these problems. And they're the biggest organization ever. So what chance does a little church have and solving these giant problems. No wonder people distance themselves from the church that is a community organization. You know, all of, all of these faulty views of church have, have crept into our experience, in part not because we've added something into the church, but um, because we've picked up on something old something which God left behind. And, and we talked about that in the, the first message in this series. We called that the temple model. And the basic temple model has four parts. Um, and and this, this goes back in time as far as, as, as we can see. It's the Jewish, the Jewish uh, temple model is also based on this. It has four parts. It has a sacred place. And this is a place set aside for special worship. Um, the second part is this sacred text. And this is writing or, that is interpreted by not just anyone. Not just anyone can interpret this, but is interpreted by a specific third party, a specific person. And the third part is this specific person that interprets the text, and that is the high holy men. It's almost always men to interpret these sacred texts. Um, and in some cases, these men are believed to be able to um, have the power of cursing and blessing on someone's life. And, and be able also, these holy men are able to um, send people to either heaven or hell and, and stuff like that. So that's the high holy men. The third part are the followers, are these dedicated followers um, that listen to these high holy men as they interpret this sacred text. And you may be saying, you know, that sounds a lot like some churches that I know. And we would say, exactly. That's why, that's why we're going through this series. That's why we're doing this series. See, God put um, this temple model into play. This was the, uh, a Jewish version of this was put into play by God. And it was there for a very specific reason. It was to lead people to Jesus. Everything about the temple model was set up to point people to Jesus and to the cross. And once it got them to the cross, at that point, the temple model was ended by God. And God started something completely different. He started something New. He didn't, he didn't uh, just upgrade the temple model with what he was starting with Jesus. He replaced it and started something new. And this is kind of how that played out. So no more, after Jesus, there were no more sacred places. In fact, Jesus said, 
it's not a sacred place anymore. We don't go to the temple. That's not the sacred place. The sacred place is now, if you're a follower of Jesus, it is you. You, your life is the sacred place. He also made another change. He said, no more high, holy men. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, now every single person has access directly and immediately with God. They did not any longer need a person to, to be the uh, in-between to take things from us to God on our behalf. No more. We could directly go to God. Jesus even gave new meaning to the sacred text. He gave new meaning. He said all of the Old Testament, all of the prophecies, all of the Old Testament prophets, all of that, all the laws, the 600 laws, they can be summarized with one single phrase Jesus said. Love God and love the people around you. Jesus was starting something new, a Jesus movement. And no longer would there be just kind of uh, these spectators who were listening to the high holy men. God started something new. It was not a, a, a temple. It, it was not people just listening. It was not high holy men. It was now a gathering of people, and he called it the church. So, if church is not a building, if it is not a business... If church is not just a community organization, and if it is not a self-help success journey, then what is the church? And God gives us an answer. The first part of that answer is this. The church is a body. And we hear Paul describe this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 12. Paul says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is, he says, with the body of Christ. Paul is saying, the church is not a building. You see, a, a building is stuck. This building, this movie theater is stuck right here. It's not moving anywhere. The, the building next to us, it's stuck there. The building that we just purchased across town, guess what? It is stuck there. That is not the church. This is not the church. The buildings around us are stuck right where they are. And they're just that. They are buildings. But that's not true with a body. A body is not stuck. You see, everywhere you go, guess what? The church goes. When you go to work in the morning, the church went with you. You're the church. When you go to Walmart, there goes the church. Because you're a body made up of many parts, but everywhere you go, that's where the church goes. That's what Paul is saying. All right. In verse 13, Paul continues... Um, he says, some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles. He's describing what this church, what this body looks like. And he says, you may look different. And he said, that's okay. Some of you are slaves and some of you are free. He said, you may come from different um, social economical backgrounds. He says, but we all have been baptized 
into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Paul is saying here, you know, we, we all come together to make up the body of Christ. And we, we may be different, but we have one thing in common, one thing that we share that is very important. And he says that's the spirit of God that lives inside of each believer. And we all belong to Jesus because of this. Church is not a business. It doesn't belong to the staff. It belongs to Jesus. It should always belong to Jesus. If you're ever part of a church that doesn't belong to Jesus, get away from it because it's not a church anymore. It's a cult. But when the church gathers here on Sunday or when it gathers as a small group throughout the week somewhere, um, the people are gathering, um, connecting, serving one another. When they leave that gathering, the body is going out into every community, every workplace, every home, every school, every neighborhood. And that's the church. Uh, it's a church being present in those places. And when, the, when a part of the body is at their job, um, like Harley said, and they, they bump up against a problem and they feel like they could help, um, the body helps. We, we help if we can. If they can't help, Ideally, what they would do is go back to their small group and say, hey, I, I've ran into this, this problem that I would like to help with. Would you join with me because I can't do it on my own and help us maybe address this problem? And, and that, that works great. We've seen that play out in our small groups, um, and, and that's the way we, we want that to work because that's the best way for it to work. Because For a couple of different reasons, because there's three of us, and we just can't be everywhere at once. Um, and another reason is because situations like that are highly relational. Um, and have you ever been in a situation where you ran into a problem and you wanted to help someone and you know them kind of, um, and when you go to help them, it's just a little awkward because you don't really have a relationship with them. Um, but if it's someone in your small group or someone that's connected to your small group, it's easier and more natural for us to help them um, when, it comes, when it comes to that type of relationship. So um, that's the church. That's how the church, that, that's how we would like to see the church function when it comes to small groups and, and stuff like that. The church is not the office. The church is not the staff. It, it is a body that's made up of all of us. We all share part of that body. And... We are all part of that body, Harley, and it's, it, that's the way Paul describes it to function, and that's the best way it functions. Um, so this body is meant to function together, to thrive together, to connect together, and when they are doing that, they are growing, and it's healthy. Think with me for a moment. If a body part gets cut off, cut off my arm, it's uh, amputated, it is separated from my body, and I throw my arm out there on the sidewalk, and I said, you just go be an arm, just go be an arm, go on, be an arm, and you walk by that arm on the sidewalk, it's not supposed to be, the arm, my arm's not supposed to be on the sidewalk, and you walk by it, you're like, that's gross, that is gross. Because it's supposed to be on the body. 
attached, connected, healthy, growing. It's not meant to be out there by itself to be an arm. It's got to be, to be an arm, it has to be part of the body. And if it's not, it's gross. And you would agree. So here's what Paul is saying. I think we can just summarize it and say this. Stay connected to the body, the church. Stay connected. Don't be gross. I guess that's what he's saying. <laughs> so in verse 14, Paul, Paul kind of spells out that, what Harley just paraphrased. <laughs> Don't be gross. He says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand. That doesn't make it any less part of the body. Verse 16, and if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would it smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange would a body be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I do not need you. The head can never say to the feet, I do not need you. The church is a body, a body created to serve. You know, no part of the body does anything just for itself or because it wants to. Um, every part of the body to serve the whole body. Um, the church is, is a body. It's not a self-help journey. If anything, it would be like a help the person beside you body. Yeah, so in John 13, a really amazing thing happens. Um, this is just hours before Jesus is going to go to, to the garden where he gets arrested and then he goes on trial and he goes to the cross. He dies. Three days later, he comes out to him. So this is just hours before he's arrested. He does this. It's in John 13 if we want to go look at it, but I'm just going to kind of describe to you the scene and what's going on and what's happening. So Jesus is sharing this really cool experience we don't have time to describe called the Passover. And he's with his disciples, and this is just one of the few remaining teaching moments in these hours that he has before he dies. They're having this celebration meal. And at some point, Jesus stands up, he pushes away from the table, and he takes off his outer robe, and instead he places on himself this towel. It's kind of a, a towel of a servant. He puts that on, and he kneels down, and he begins washing the feet of the disciples. He washes all of their dirty nasty, gross feet. This is Jesus. God himself, who has put on the flesh of man, Jesus. God took on the role of a servant. This is unheard of. God God, who should be worshipped and adored and praised, he stoops down and he performs the lowest task 
available at this moment. A task that no one else had done. This should have been done earlier when they entered into the room and before the meal. No, no one did it. And Jesus takes it upon himself and he does it. And he's not like complaining, he's not grumbling. He's not angry. He's not upset. He, he, he's, not, he's not mad that someone else didn't do it, so I, now I have to do it. No, he chooses to fulfill this low, demeaning role. And then, after he washes all of their feet, he stands up, and he puts on his robe again, and he reclines at the table with them and he talks to them now do you know what message jesus was sending them with his actions it wasn't an angry closed fist being shaken in their face no he was telling them with his actions he was showing them i love you so much that i will stoop down and gladly serve you. That's what he was telling them with his actions. And then he tells them this with his words. He says, I'm Jesus, basically. I'm Jesus. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. I'm God. And I've chosen to do this lovingly for you. And then he says to them, now I want you to go and do this for others. And Jesus wasn't telling them, I, I want you to go and sit down and wash everyone's feet that comes by. He was saying, I want you to step down. Take your eyes off of yourself and place them on the people around you. Step down, stoop down, and lovingly, don't be angry about it, lovingly, gladly, with joy in your heart, serve those people around you. That is you loving them. And he said to them, go and do what I have done. I've set the example for you. Now I want you to go and do it. And Donnie just said, here's what this whole thing is about. The church is a body created to serve. The church is a body created to serve so what does that mean for us today okay here's what it means this is how we're ending this morning the band's on their way up i'm going to give you two things that you can put into action right now and then donnie's going to give us one more thing two things that you can put into action right now here's the first let's talk about sundays for a moment this is when we Stuggard Harvest Church have decided to gather. We're not a building. We're not a business. We're not a community organization. We're not a self-help success journey. We are a gathering of people who believe Jesus and are following Jesus, have submitted to him. We are not a business. We are not a building. We are a body, and we're asking you, will you commit in 2017 to gather with the body as we gather and right now our gathering time is sundays 
That's when we connect. That's when we come together. Will you gather with us? Will you not be an amputated body part out there trying to be an arm all on your own? Will you join the body and be part of the body because God has placed you here for a reason? Will you be with us? Will you gather with us? And here's the second thing. Because the church is a body created to serve. We unapologetically ask you frequently, and we're asking you today, will you serve with us, your church family, this gathering of believers? Will you serve with us? Because we are a body created to serve. And it just so happens that almost every single ministry partner team that we have is growing. And there's, there are places to serve. We're getting ready to take our worship gathering and place it in a different building. That building is not the church. You are the church. And we are going to gather at another place. And there are so many places that we want people serving. Why? So that we can just have a bunch of people that we say are serving? No, so that we can love the people who walk through those doors, so that we can love them and serve them all the way to the foot of the cross. So many different things. There are some very strategic places that we want people to serve. And there are some places that are brand new. We don't have anyone serving yet. And there's others that are teams that, that can be joined. We're asking you this morning, will you commit to gather with us as a church and will you commit to serve beside us because we're created to serve? And you can get that start this morning by simply on the back of your connection card, checking the box or on uh, your digital connection card by checking that box that says, I'm ready to serve. Will you do that today? And Donnie, you have one more step for us. Right. So those are two things that you can do today. You can start those today. One thing that, you, that you, we want you to be considering for a little bit later is this spring, we're going to have another group link event. And this is an opportunity for you to get connected with the group. And at the group link event, we will have some of the group leaders and some other people um, there. So you can you can get maybe get to know them, talk with them a little bit, and get plugged into a group. And this is the reason why we want you to get in a group. Because Sunday morning is important. It is. But it's easy to come here on Sunday morning and the relationships that mm -hmm. you form be very surface level. Yeah. And what we've found out from experience and from Scripture, the easiest and the most um, effective way for you to get connected with your Heavenly Father or to have a better relationship with Him is through a small group of believers where you are learning um, to love Jesus more, you're learning more about Him, and you're building a relationship with that, those group of people and with God. So that's why we encourage you to get in a group, and if you've maybe been in a group in the past and you aren't in one right now or you're new, and we would just encourage you to come, check it out, but that'll be coming this spring. We'll have another event. That's right. We'll get you information as we get closer. Two things you can do now, and that's one thing to be thinking about, 
that you can do later. Let's pray. God, you tell us that this thing called church, this ecclesia, this gathering of people is actually, it's not a building. It is a body. And God, you have created this body out of many different parts and you have pulled them together. And here at this church, at Stuttgart Harvest Church, you have these people, these souls here for a purpose. You've created and are growing this body so that we can serve. And so God, we just ask that you would help us, that you would help us to grow in that direction. You would help us to connect to the body and serve as we are created to serve. And Jesus, you set the example for us. May we follow you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.